Welcome to Illuminate Greatness, the podcast that explores the latest trends in marketing and public relations and highlights the most positively powerful brands and people who are making a difference in our world. And now your host, entrepreneur, marketing and public relations expert, advocate, spiritual explorer, mother, and founder of Olive Creative Strategies, Jennifer Borba von Stauffenberg. Welcome to Illuminate Greatness. I am so happy to be here today with Samantha Anderson. She is the COO and co-founder of 41 Orange, a marketing agency based here in San Diego. She is currently a member of the board of directors for San Diego Civic Youth Ballet, Balboa Park's resident classical ballet school since 1945. She comes from the agency world where she's worked with Fortune 500 tech, financial, and consumer brands, including Intel, Petco, and LPL Financial. And she holds a bachelor's degree in journalism with an emphasis in public relations from SDSU. And that's when I met her back in the day. She was one of our very first interns actually here Mm -hmm. at Olive. So I'm especially excited to be connecting with you because I love so much to see people who have been a part of Olive go off to do incredible things. And I would say having a successful agency is definitely one of the most fun successes that I've seen come out of here. So I... I'm so excited to learn from you and and talk digital and just kind of understand what the heck is going on in this industry. There are so many incredible changes. I also want to congratulate you because I know that you're now venture backed and that's Mm -hmm. huge and a HubSpot Platinum Partner ranked in the top 15 digital marketing providers in all of North America. What does that mean exactly? Tell us a little bit about that. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, thank you. So we've been doing HubSpot for about five years now. So just with our experience and with the amount of clients that we have under our belt, we've been able to rise in the ranks of HubSpot agencies. How many clients are you guys working with right now? Right now we're about 20, 20 clients. Wow, that's so cool. So tell me exactly what you guys do at 41 Orange. Yeah, so we're a B2B marketing company. Okay. So specifically what we do is we actually design experiences. Those can be content or event-based experiences. And then we find and drive prospects to those events for face-to-face sales time with our clients. That's incredible. So when you talk about events, you're talking about physical people to people standing mm-hmm. in a location. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Tell me... How have you guys been doing that for a long time, or is that a new? That's a pretty big shift. Yeah. We started doing that about a year and a half ago. We're very big on the eating your own dog food type of situation. Cool. So we started doing that for ourselves. We started having events and inviting people that could be good prospects for us to these events, and Amazing. that's how we've grown for the last two years. And so we offered that to our clients. And I love that. I have been saying that everything makes its way back around. Mm-hmm. And when you get so separate from the physicalness of interaction, mm-hmm. knowing that solitude is like the number one form of punishment for a human, sure. that we've created this world that's supposed to connect us, but it really has isolated us. And I've been saying that people need to start doing events again. Mm. And I really think that there's going to be a big emergence. I know it's already starting, but I Mm -hmm. think we're all going to want to be 
in physical location again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. So who are some of your clients? Yeah, totally. Um, so we work a lot with, with providers of technology services. So our biggest client is ADP right now. Amazing. Uh, yeah. And so really anyone with a localized salesperson or rather a localized sales team mm-hmm. would work for something that we're doing because they really rely on belly to belly relationships. So we work a lot with people that have regional sales teams and dispersed sales teams. So they're all over the country mm-hmm. and they're kind of relying on them to go out and get new prospects within their own geo, their geographic area. That's incredible. So that's a security company, correct? Um, ADP is a payroll company. Oh, why was it ADT is yeah. what I was thinking? Yes, of <laughs> yeah. course I know who ADP is. I'm glad I asked for clarification because yeah. in my mind I would have been saying the wrong thing. <laughs> awesome. So anytime then people are prospecting new customers, does mm-hmm. it matter if it is like a physical service like a security company mm-hmm. or if it's more like a payroll company? It really doesn't. So in, you know, you were asking earlier about the shift that we're seeing in digital. Mm-hmm. A big piece of it is that it has to come back around and get you in front of somebody. So no matter... So it's still personal at some point. No matter what, sales is still personal. So a lot of our clients are selling, obviously, to other businesses, but they are also really, really geared towards making sure that they are selling to the right person. So it's usually like an enterprise sale or or a sale where there's several layers to the Mm -hmm. decision-making process. So in order to build that relationship, you really have to be in front of that person. You can't just sell, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of something right over an email or social media. Yeah. Well, and I think that's so fascinating because I think that the depths of relationships have been lost a little. And Mm -hmm. I notice that even as a PR firm with our, some of younger staff coming in and not understanding that there still needs to be a coffee meeting, there still needs to be Mm -hmm. a connection to build real authentic relationships. There's almost a distortion of what relationships mean in this generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So interesting. So In terms of what is not working for people where you're noticing people are still maybe calling and asking for certain things, what are some of the things that you think people are still doing that it's really expired and it's time to move on? So I wouldn't say that any one digital media tactic has expired completely and it's time to move on. But I think back in the day when we said, oh, just do SEO and you'll get your clients, everybody will come to your website. All of that kind of standalone tactics, they don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. They have to be seen in a larger ecosystem of digital practices because If you're just doing SEO in a silo, you're not going to be able to convert those people, for example, or you're going to be up against so much competition that it's going to take you like two or three years. We always say you have to do all the things now. You do. (laughs) No, it's it's totally true. I think biggest thing that's changed in digital is that it just takes more. Mm -hmm. So that's why you have to focus on the right things and you have to make sure you're hitting the right people. And that's why we've focused on this event space because Mm -hmm. we're able to really pinpoint who we want to have there and then we go directly to those people and invite them to this event share with me some of your favorite success stories what should somebody expect from a digital marketing campaign just in general yeah because I get so many calls where people say this is what they said they would do is Mm. this realistic yeah and I know you know we briefly touched on this before we started recording Mm -hmm. that there are a lot of really great digital marketing agencies, but there's a lot that aren't and who are 
basing things on what we would call vanity metrics. Mm -hmm. And I would love to hear a little bit about what your perspective is on that. Yeah, absolutely. So actually the reason we became HubSpot partners is because we love that the software gives us closed loop reporting. So we're actually able to show clients directly what marketing has impacted on sales. So the things that we measure, we don't measure like open rates or anything like that for emails. Those are important for us to understand campaign health, but when, right. For you to reassess your strategy or content or messaging, but that's not that's what not the measures end game. success, yeah. Right. So what we look at is how many leads did we get through the door? And then second, how many of those leads were actually qualified prospects? So the right people with the right budget and you know, timing-wise too. And then at the end of the day, how many of those actually turned into opportunities, which eventually turned into dollars? So right. we're actually tracking the full ecosystem. And holding yourself accountable. Yes, and That's holding ourselves accountable. That's the key is that I'm so surprised when I look at the analytics from certain partners of certain clients that there isn't an accountability Mm -hmm. to the result of the result. And that's something as a PR agency that we're accountable to, Mm -hmm. which is unusual too. But, you know, I always say, if you're working on a great campaign, a lot of people say you can't measure PR. I say, uh, yeah, actually you can. Mm -hmm. If it's working, you know. If it's not working, that's when you're trying to look at data to try and figure it out. Mm -hmm. We don't have as many of the crazy tools that you have to give specifics, but you should be able to see spikes in traffic to a website that are linked directly back to links. There is a way to tell. It's so easy to see it when it's working. It's pretty easy to see when it's not working. That's (laughs) when people are like looking at numbers. Yes. Carry on. I'm so curious about this. Yeah. Well, I think that's why a lot of people turned themselves on to first inbound marketing because mm-hmm. inbound marketing it used to be all about like, oh, you put the right content out, you get the right Make people there. Sticky. Yeah, all of that stuff. And I think that inbound, you know, those statements people put out, inbound's dead, all that stuff. Inbound's not necessarily dead, but it does require more on the front end. You can't just do inbound, just like you can't yeah. just do SEO and you can't just send out a press release. Right. It really needs to have a funnel. And a process. Right. And so that's where where we've kind of expanded the funnel at the top. So instead of just focusing on SEO and waiting for people to come to us, we've also started doing more outbound practices. So what we have found in the shift in digital marketing is that if you want to get to the right people, you need to go directly to them. So we are actually um, integrating email, LinkedIn outreach, and phone calls to pick out the exact person that we want mm-hmm. to go to, build a list of those people in, in you know specific geo or in different geographics, and then target them specifically. Because yeah. we realized if we can get to the right people from the start, then the results on the back end are a lot easier to get. Totally. I think LinkedIn is underutilized by most businesses. Like They hardly utilize it. Sure. And there are so many incredible fancy tools that you guys can use that I've seen work and I'm blown away by it. There's so much information that's available on LinkedIn that can be extracted for really sticky, awesome campaigns. If I were to predict where digital marketing is going in the next, let's say five years, because I don't think anyone can predict 10 years anymore, (laughs) let's say five years, I would say that data and data meaning like personal data as well is going to be 
so crucial for B2B marketing. And we have to really pay attention to that because of all the changes that are happening abroad and now also here in mm-hmm. the U.S. So we're going to have to be really careful about how we get and use people's data. Totally. So that's where the principles of inbound marketing still exist, which is you want to give somebody something that they want to give you in return their information. Because if they're willing to do that, then you can have that data safely. Awesome. What are some of the metrics that people are using in other scenarios that maybe aren't successful that a company should look out for when they are getting reports? Like what are the real vanity metrics that don't really mean much, but that are thrown around all the time? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest culprit is looking at paid media. You get impressions and reach and all those things. And again, those are nice to have because you understand what the campaign is. But if there's no output attached to those mm-hmm. da- that data, it's really meaningless. You know, you could have a million impressions, but if you don't see, like you were saying, the spike in the website traffic or the output of leads generated or on calls your, coming into your office or, or just a robust like funnel of business coming through the door yeah it has not worked right and I think vice versa though you do also want a, an agency that's going to be able to tell you both right like they need to be watching their campaign and understanding the health of it but they also need to be able to tell you what was the output how mm-hmm. did this affect my bottom line uh, so that's why it's so important to understand first of all what the success of your campaign should be like what am I trying to get out of this? Definitely. And then make sure that they can measure that. Well, that brings up an important piece because this work that you do does generate a return. <laughs> and what kind of return could somebody expect? And what measures do they need to put into place mm-hmm. to deal with the scaling that will happen as a result of turning on this kind of an engine? Yeah, you know, it depends on a lot of things. So I'll give you some general answers, but it does depend on, first of all, how expensive your product is. Um, Second of all, for us, it's how many events are you looking to do in a month? Because obviously there's expense there as well. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, I mean, we've seen a 3x return on our events. And I think that they, it's really great. And I think that the major thing to be paying attention to is the first couple events or first couple of campaigns, let's just call them that you do, you got to pay attention to what those outputs are. And start tweaking. So if you aren't paying attention to, for instance, in in our world, it's how many people have RSVP'd and then how many people actually attended Mm -hmm. because you have an attrition rate, then you're not going to be able to duplicate that and make it better on the second event. So paying attention to all those smaller metrics that you know may seem like vanity, like, oh yeah, you've got you know 100 RSVPs, but it's the funnel effect that mm-hmm. we're watching to make sure that we understand the effect of the campaign. What types of events are you doing? Can you yeah, give me an example absolutely. of what that looks like? So primarily we do smaller intimate events, about 15 to 30 people. And usually they're either like round tables. So what we do is we bring a bunch of executives together and we give them, you know, we do the whole wine and dine. We give them great food, great wine, but then we kind of build that relationship through conversation. Mm-hmm. So we usually have somebody who facilitates either a debate or just an open forum type of conversation about something in the industry that affects the people in the room. 
So people get a lot of value from the content, but also from meeting and networking with each other. Absolutely. And then the larger scale events, we do speaker series. So we'll bring in a couple speakers. They'll do the whole industry talk as well and have networking and food and all of that. But I think the main thing to having a successful event is just making sure that people are going to walk away with content that is actionable and valuable for them. Absolutely. And that they're going to get the chance to talk to each other. So it's not enough to just bring people to a room and then pitch to them. That's not what our events are about at all. In fact, we have a a no sales policy when it comes to presentation. But it's about getting those people in front of you, showing how smart and how knowledgeable you are about the industry. And then when you're talking to them one-on-one, you can ask them about their challenges mm-hmm. and bring your... This is so fascinating because we have literally been having the same conversation from a PR perspective, talking about how it's like, I feel like my little soapbox lately, we need to activate events. And we've talked mm-hmm. about doing live podcast events. We've talked about mm-hmm. the mastermind circle, you know, dinner table thing. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to see that. I know you guys are very progressive that we're also on track with what works. Are you guys integrating public relations or media relations into this at all? I could definitely see a need for that Mm -hmm. or rather a fit for it. We currently don't do any PR or anything like that in house, but I could definitely see for larger scale events integrating some kind of PR for it. It's really, and it's just interesting because, you know, from our perspective, it would be looking to, we literally had a conversation recently and I was saying, I think we should get a digital partner in on this idea because it would be a great one. And so I love to hear Mm -hmm. that, that it's working for your (laughs) clients. It's so great. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about some of the metrics that aren't in good use. What are the metrics that people should be looking at? Like what are good KPIs? What does that even mean? Mm -hmm. And why do people throw around that language all the time? Mm -hmm. Now I will say that there are two different type of metrics for me. I think there's metrics that you need to watch for campaign health. And I've mentioned that a few times, but those are the metrics that your team, the agency team is watching to make sure that they are on top of it and that they're getting the results as an output. So, you know, for us, because we do email, we do LinkedIn, we do phone calls, we're looking for like connection rates. We're looking for open rates, but most importantly for us, we're looking for how many people are interested. So we're looking at interested rates and that's a qualitative metric that has to be tracked and so many agencies don't do things like that because totally well because you all yeah <laughs> but well and so much of what you do is manual uh-huh. and so I was curious about the automation piece mm-hmm. because there was an era where digital marketing was all automated mm-hmm. and now I'm noticing that it's not as automated and that mm-hmm. humans are coming back into the picture Can you share a little bit about when automation is good and when automation might be bad? I think automation helps with scalability, absolutely, 100%. The issue is if you rely only on automation, what happens is that the, the machines are not smart enough yet to connect dots and also to follow unexpected paths. So what I mean by that is if you had a autoresponder, let's say on LinkedIn, and this doesn't exist, but if it did, if somebody responded with the yes or the no, or the tell me more, it'd be very easy for a machine to put them into the right path. 
But if somebody comes back to you and says, oh, you know, I'm not really sure. Let me check my calendar. Also, can I bring up more than one person? The machines are not going to understand what path to take that person. So in this scenario, that's where human minds are really important. Human minds are important? (laughs) (laughs) Because we get it, right? Because it's about relationships. It's about relationships. And it's about being able to take the conversation in the direction that you need it to go to get to the final answer. So in a lot of ways, what we do have to do outside of automation is connect those unexpected dots and get people back on the path that we want them to go down. When you over automate and this has happened to many people before they come to us because this is the philosophy of HubSpot and inbound but when you over automate a lot of times the complexity of what you've done is actually in kind of a ironic twist oversimplified so people are getting something that they now feel is automated got it that makes a lot of sense So in terms of going back to that question, because we got a little off about scaling and Mm. results, what type of growth have you found to be pretty consistent? Like I have a PR agency that's a service-based business. Mm -hmm. What would I expect if I were to engage 41 Orange on a campaign like this? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there reoccurring event that we do is usually about 30 people like I said Mm -hmm. of those 30 people you should probably have at least like five conversations and then depending on how good your close rate is meaning is your sales team really good at following up so this is also on the client oh yeah. yeah I mean we can only take it so far we've also talked about maybe becoming an outside sales team but we're not there yet it's hard right i know that that's one of our biggest challenges and that's one of the things that i'm most curious about digital marketing Mm -hmm. because i don't have the interest of expanding and being like a full service agency and Mm -hmm. having this as part of our work but it really takes all the parts and it's Mm -hmm. there have been so many times where i just want to say to a client, like, just have your sales calls directed to me. Like, let me finish this for you because yeah. I just want it to be successful. And you're, what you're doing is so incredible. And, yeah. you know, and you just feel like you have to surrender and say, okay, I can do all that I can do up to a certain point, but they have to step yeah. up. And I think that is one of the biggest misconceptions about marketing and sales mm-hmm. is that marketing is sales and it's actually the difference. And so I always oh, yes. use that dating analogy where marketing is like the person that's standing in the bar. If somebody walks in and you're like, hey, look at me, come hang out with me, I'm cool. We always say PR is like the wingman who's standing next to that person. And when the person walks <laughs> in the bar, we go, hey, my friend is really cool. Come talk to my friend. <laughs> and then sales is what happens when we exit and leave and you have to close the deal. <laughs> and so often everything is set into place, set into motion, mm-hmm. everything is laid out, everybody's excited, and then it falls mm-hmm. away. And most often it's because clients don't realize that there's a difference between the deal close mm-hmm. and our work that we do. Yes, and that's why it's it's actually part of our criteria is that you have a sales team and that you have a awesome. sales process. If you're a successful team, even at a smaller scale, then what we do is going to make you even more successful because it's basically walking those people up to the line and then sales has to get them to cross it to sign. Absolutely. So you must use these services for your own business. Can you share with us how the impact has been for your own business? Yeah. Absolutely. So when we moved to the event-based 
marketing program for ourselves, we actually were able to grow 40% year over year with that. That's fantastic. And we have actually, it's become our only channel, which we, you know, cobbler shoes, but we have really put all our efforts into that. And that's it's, incredible. It's where everything's coming from. So I would say four out of every five clients right now have been to one of our events and that's how they've come to that's amazing. meet us. So it's kind of cool. That's great. What advice do you have for business owners who are looking to utilize a digital marketing tool? I would say, first of all, understand what you are trying to get out of it. So if it is just brand reach, then you might want to go to something like paid media, right? But if you are looking at getting ROI and dollars out of it, you want to find something that's going to give you that closed loop opportunity so that you can track it from marketing all the way to sales. So it just depends on the type of tool that you're looking at. But I would say, what is the success metric that you're looking for? Awesome. And for aspiring marketing professionals, what should they be looking for? What do they need to know in order to get a position like this? Like what, what are you looking for when you are hiring? Cause you guys are scaling, so mm -hmm. you're going to need to be hiring. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the first thing that I, I look for, especially in someone who's established in the industry is that they are watching the trends and that they're a little bit scrappy. They're able mm -hmm. to get their hands dirty and see what's working. For my entry levels, I'm just looking for someone hungry mm -hmm. and interested in learning. If you just walk into the room and you're like, I have no idea what to do, but tell me what to do and I'm going to figure out the best way to continue doing that. That's what I love to see. I want to hire the people that are like, you're doing it wrong. Like totally. those are the people I want. Same. What about entrepreneurs? Because I could tell from the minute I met you when you were younger that you were <laughs> going to be running someplace. Yeah. Um, because as an intern, you were so bold and confident and really you stood out as it did not surprise me when not very many years later, you said you were launching an agency. I was like, yes, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. What's your advice for an entrepreneur? Follow your gut. Yeah. Take the risk no matter what anyone else is telling you. So, you know, based off of what you're, what you were just saying, I think I was, gosh, I think I was 21 when I was with you, but I started this business at 24, I actually quit my big agency job and just started freelance consulting. And three years after that, hired my first employee and started kind of growing from there. But so many people told me not to do it. So Same. many people were like, you don't have the experience. You don't have the savings. You don't have this. You don't have that. But, you know, when you know in your gut and when you know in your heart that you're supposed to do something, you just have to do it. Totally. Just Isn't it to crazy it. that people would say that? I remember when I started my agency, people told me it was the absolute worst year. It was 2008 when I was making the decision and officially May 2009 when I quit getting work from another agency. And it just really blew my mind that somebody would look at someone who had already leaped, who was like in it and still say to them, yeah. this is a bad idea. And I'd be like, wow, thanks so much for your support. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I am certainly glad that yeah. I did. And I'm, I'm happy that you did as well because you guys are thriving and it's so great to see. Yeah. Where can people get more information about your services? Sure. So we're actually 41orange.com, 41orange.com. 
It has information there about the way that we kind of approach things. So how we take all of the different pieces of the puzzle and put it together. We're not just an events marketing company. We don't just do events. We do the full funnel picture of events. So we drive the prospects, we find the prospects, we talk to them, we help you nurture them on the back end. So it's really a full, full service picture. Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And thank thank you. you so much for all the great work that you're doing to illuminate greatness for your clients. And we will be together again soon. Have a great day. Interested in receiving free marketing and public relations resources? Visit IlluminateGreatness.com and subscribe to our newsletter to receive valuable weekly content that will inspire you and help you grow your business. That's IlluminateGreatness.com. Thank you for listening to the Illuminate Greatness podcast brought to you by Olive Creative Strategies.